0: to have passion in life is everything what's your Everest. oh yeah. it that 200 inch box they just look so impressive when they're wide especially running away <laughs> welcome to this week's episode of eastman's elevated it's like a think tank for outdoor activity sounds exactly like my hunting just always thinking about it always trying to evolve it and make it better here's your host brian barney hey what's going on guys uh new eastman's elevated podcast here so uh, you probably heard our intro there. Really proud of that intro that that uh, Eastman's put together for me. Um, you know, it's short, it's to the point, you know you're listening to an intro, and it, it it just describes what the podcast is all about, the excitement and the next level hunting tips, and so just super stoked on that intro, and, and cool we can put that together as the podcast is just getting more and more professional, which is nice. Um Today's podcast is all about my Alaskan adventure, so this is a really fun one to put together. Uh, we put it together late one night after the hunt, uh, right before I caught the plane. So we're, we're just dang near exhausted. We've been hunting, and, and it doesn't get dark up there. And so we've been hunting for 22 hours a day, or, or not quite, catching a little bit of sleep. Um, got that bull, got back, got the bull taken care of, everything ready to go on the plane. And then we sat down about midnight before I had to catch my plane and recorded a podcast. And and so it's a really cool one. It describes the hunt, but it's also got a bunch of tips and tactics on do-it-yourself Alaska hunting and talks about your options up there and what different guys do and, and just how to plan your own trip and the logistics into it and so this is a fun one and I get to sit down with my buddy Chase and record a podcast and And Chase is just uh, such a great guy. He's been such a great friend to me and we went on a bunch of adventures here in the States when he lived back here and and uh, and then the last couple of years I've gone up to Alaska and we've done these big adventures and, and, and I just really like him as a hunting partner and I, I like him he's just been a great friend to me and so fun to sit down and record a podcast with him and and uh, also he's just been learning so much about you know Alaska and how to hunt Alaska he's the the head manager in there at Sportsman's Warehouse and so he does a a great job managing that but he he gets to talk hunting every day and and he's got a good circle of friends up there and so he he just keeps gaining knowledge and so uh, we're able to share that on the podcast and sit down and get this thing recorded and so this is a fun one for me to share with you guys Uh, Today's sponsor for the show is Yeti. Um, Yeti is just making the best coolers out there I am so sold on these Yeti coolers and, and having them on these hunts I mean just keep your ice so much longer If you've got block ice Week no problem You keep that stuff for two weeks And, and even the, the the small cubed ice You know you can keep that for a week It just keeps your stuff colder for longer And then you're really able to get your meat cooled down When you get it in the cooler And like what what I like to do Is I like to put my meat in the cooler During the days You know when it's getting warm so I so I don't get my meat cool. I can keep it that cold temperature on ice. And then I hang it at night uh, when it gets colder air around it. And I'm able to kind of dry the meat out that way so it doesn't get too wet. And so I'm really using these these Yeti coolers to keep my meat for, for longer on a hunt. And like this hunt in Alaska, I killed this bull. And then we continued hunting for Chase's bull. And so we had to keep that meat for an extra three days or so. And, and Yeti coolers just do the job. Um, so impressed by their products. Uh, you know, I love... Air Everything from their coolers to their cups. And then I I always mention about Yeti, too, is that it's a bear-proof container. So anywhere you're hunting in the lower 48 in any of those national forests, you got to have a bear-proof container where a bear can't get into your food. It's either that or you got to hang it in a tree. I think it's 20 feet tall, 10 feet away from the tree and do that every night with your food um and it, that's just um it, it's tough to do day in day out but but if a you know if a warden or if a um if a state agency comes by and sees that you're not putting away your food properly you can get a ticket and get in trouble and so what these yeti coolers do is they're a bear proof container for grizzlies and for black bears you just throw a lock on it and bears can't get into it so all of a sudden you can store your meat in there you can store your food in there and it it's a bear safe container nothing's going to get into your meat so i always think that's a really cool feature uh, of the Yeti products. And, and they're just always coming out with new stuff. They got different size coolers. You know, they have just thought of everything, you know, as far as coolers and, and cups and, and containers. And so um, just a great company. And I can't thank them enough for sponsoring the podcast. Um, over there at Eastman's, we're all getting busy on our hunts. It's it's really fun to see. It was really fun to see Guy and his doll sheep. And I know Ike killed a caribou up there. At least I think I did. I saw a post up there. I haven't seen his caribou yet. You know. And I've been caribou hunting. I know Dan was hunting sick blacktails. We're starting on our mule deer hunts and our elk. It's just a, a really exciting time of the year where we're getting all our support photos. And and uh, you know, when I'm in the woods and hunting, I'm constantly thinking of article ideas and. and and next level tips, uh, uh, how I'm able to be successful. And so this is really the time that I brainstorm for the next year of what I'm going to write about, but we all just pour our heart and soul into that magazine to make it as good as we can make it. And, and and not only the magazine, but a lot of the online stuff. I know, um, Scott Reekers is constantly working on quality content and that's where we kind of introduce new writers and see if, if guys like them and like what they're writing. And then we bring them into the magazine there, but, um, it's just so cool to be part of Eastman's a company that has so much history in the outdoor industry and just puts out such good products and so man I'm just so proud to to have this podcast they support and be able to write in there and and share my photos uh it's just like a dream for me but really cool company we're running our preseason special right now so um you you get a subscription to both magazines, thirty nine ninety nine, and then they'll throw in a Yeti Tumblr cup for you. Um, you just got to pay shipping and handling. Uh, the preseason code is um, E-E-P-S-S-1-7. So punch that in on the website. You'll get that deal, and you'll get that free Yeti Tumblr, and, and uh, you'll be— uh, uh, subscriber to the magazine and um, if you are lucky enough to harvest a quality animal this year not lucky enough if you put in the work and it all comes together but it's tough out there bow hunting and rifle but you know if you put in the work it's feasible out there on public lands but but if you are able to harvest a nice animal make sure to send us your stories and and uh, we'll, we'll print it in the magazine so it's a really cool it's a really cool deal and platform that Eastman's has has created there and I and, uh, just can't say enough good things about the company so make sure you subscribe to both magazines and with that let's get this podcast rolling so me and my good buddy chase last night in alaska um eastman's elevated here we go all right i'm up here in alaska with my buddy chase we just got finished up with our our big caribou hunt um man did we have a good time up here it was just wild uh, so we thought we'd sit down. i got to catch a plane in a few hours here. So we got to finish packing my stuff and, and uh, catch a little sleep here. But we thought we'd record um, kind of what happened on the hunt. Man, awesome trip, Chase. Yeah, it was a good time. For Wasn't sure. it? Move that mic just a little bit closer there. Perfect. Yeah, um, man, oh, man. So we did it a little bit different this year. So last year we flew into a spot and we hunted moose and didn't hunt many caribou.
1: Yeah, at that point when we were up north, it was late in the year and the um, major uh, major migration had already happened and blown through there and there's sign everywhere, but just really didn't see any caribou at all. Um, I think we saw a, a handful. I think we heard about six and mm-hmm. a couple of good bulls, but nothing could happen with it.
0: Right. And so this year we really focused and we went for the caribou. And so we did it a little bit different this year and there's multiple ways to play Alaska. And so there's access roads in Alaska that go to a handful of different spots that that have caribou, that have moose. But the deal is, is that those are the local spots. And so anybody in any of these major populations, whether it's Anchorage or whether it's Fairbanks, can use all these roadway systems to hunt off of. And so you get some pressure off there. Then there's also, you know, there's boat angles where you can Take jet boats and you can take rafts, and then the way to really get around is to fly around in an airplane, like we did, where they land on those lakes, they land on little runways, and their little runways are wild. Like some of the places they get those super cubs,
1: yeah, they uh, um, you're able to uh, access stuff that maybe only a handful of guys every year get to go do. Um, you know, if that, you might be the only guy that ends up in some of these places, you, you never know as far as going on a fly in and um. Trying to get ahead of the migration or whatever's going on. It's just um, another option for sure.
0: Yeah, so that's a cool way to do it. So, like with the Super Cubs, like what I was remembering is those stories we'd heard of guys that will go in and build their own runways where they can drop in on a smaller space, drop the guys off with shovels and that, and then they make their own runways to go access this remote country of Alaska. But a plane's really the way to get a, get around, but the problem is is the Avgas. I mean the Avgas is super expensive and so you gotta save up and it's it turns into this once in a lifetime hunt or, you know, once every few years hunt and so this way that we did this hunt this year was really cool because we got out of a lot of that expense.
1: Yeah, we were able to uh, put this thing together. Um, I, I guess you'd say on the on the cheap, or you know, um, approval of budget for family or you know, however, <laughs> right. however, you, however you look at Mama. it, Mama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. Definitely keeping everything in line there. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: um. Yeah, which is nice. And you're going back for moose this year. Um, you know, and you're local here, and so you get local tags, which is nice, which helps out a little bit. But um, yeah, I just couldn't go back this year, and so we started talking like, what can we do? On the cheap or on a budget, you know, where we can go chase caribou because it, you know, and, and if you're just going to go once for caribou, then, you know, to pay an extra anywhere from what, 2000 to $5,000 for your airplane uh, to get back and forth and get your caribou out of there. So you've got to add that extra expense. And so what we did is we took about everything we own and we we went up to where the caribou are and tried to find them in the migration. Do it in the cheap so we can do it year after year and go chase these things around. So, I mean, that was pretty awesome putting all that together. And so you did a ton of research up here looking into it. I've done a ton of research over the years looking into it. And so we just pulled the trigger and made it happen for an August hunt. And it was so cool, man, because they were they were in velvet. And I love to hunt velvet muleys and to hunt such a such a killer majestic animal in, in full velvet where they look heavier. And they're just a wild animal. I mean, they're not much bigger than a mule deer, but their rack's, you know, bigger than an elk. Like, uh, you know, you can see a 12 by 13, no problem out there. We re referred back to it as like um, antelope hunting for a 400 inch antelope just because it felt like that out in the tundra.
1: Yeah, there's uh, it's uh, indicative of a person that does not mind to uh, sit behind their glass and just really do a lot of um, walking with their eyes and see what's going on and, and go from there. Um, yep. A lot like antelope hunting. Yes. You got know, to put eyes on them and see where you're at and go for a high percentage and yeah
0: yep and so we brought a third in with us and he's a guy you've known forever and I met last year Scott and so he came with us and and he's like um, the age of our dads or whatever and he came in and so Chase you'd been talking to him about information about hunting up there and he knew so much he's hunted it for years up there and so how nice to be able to team up with him and then he was able to take his rig we took a rig and so we had a backup because I mean on these roads out here I mean you hear it all the time but Gosh, you gotta have spare tires and fix kits and compressors and like it's a whole setup to be set up to do this roadway hunting. You know, you gotta drive, you know, how many hours to get up there? We drove ten hours from your house to make it up there. Mm -hmm. So um, you you gotta be set up right. And it was sure nice having another rig and then having the knowledge of Scott really helped.
1: Yeah, um, you know, going into something like this, uh, a lot of the planning. Um, and, you you know, just constant double check to make sure you got the information right. And this is what I'm doing. Yes, I have everything I need. Uh, trying to calculate the amount of fuel that a person's going to need and the ability to access everything you need. But then all of a sudden you're like, well, hey, you know, you have this this guy that, that's been up here for 40 years hunting able to come with you. And it just dials everything in for us. And, you know, um, put your mind at ease of what you're doing.
0: Yeah, I mean he he definitely he definitely furthered the learning curve. Like we were just able to learn so much more quicker, and and we did our diligence, and we knew where we were headed, and knew where we wanted to go, and and did our own deal when we got there too, learning and, and absorbing knowledge. But you're right, like the start we had from the from the get go to be able to ask him questions about things, and him know where that migration likes to be, and where you can play on them, and where you can't, and you know, so he was able to drive us through there, and I mean, basically help us out on on everywhere where those caribou could be, and then it was just up us trying to find the things yeah yeah so it's pretty wild when you're setting up to go up there um spare tires you got brand new rubber on your tires but that place would just um it'll it'll make a flat tire quicker than anything won't it yeah yeah yeah. scott had one we didn't have any no did good yeah but i think you could have a bunch up there Mm -hmm. yeah definitely need extra fuel as much fuel as you can haul because i mean up in there there's just no places to get it
1: yeah Yeah. there's You've got to haul it with you, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, haul it with you, all your food, all your water. And we did, like, um, camp living. And so using this truck, we were able to be mobile. Like, you couldn't just pick a spot and go hike in because there's so many, so much country that the caribou aren't, you know, that you really got to find where the caribou are. There's a bunch of beautiful tundra out there with nothing in it, you know, right now. You know, at at some point, there'll be a caribou standing out there.
1: Yeah. Um, again, um, finding them before you go walking into something's key. I mean, you, as you're walking in, you're, you're getting soaked and, and for what, you could be going into nothing. Yeah. So
0: you got to find the migration. And then I think it's good to walk out to different vantage points and just hunt them. Like it's, I mean, it felt like, um, it felt like hunting deer elk, you know, out West when you have a general tag. And, and, you know, it's um, – to be able to go up there and there's other locals around, but gosh, you're able to find your own deal. You kind of move around, find that migration, find where the group are, and it can be different every year by, by talking to Scott. You know, he definitely saw different conditions than, than we saw this time. In fact, he said the conditions that we saw were a little weirder or, you know, he hadn't seen – we found a really big group and he said they should be in smaller groups moving through now. We're a handful of days earlier than he usually goes, but, um, pretty wild out there, man. How fun is that place?
1: <laughs> you yeah, know, anytime you you can get multiple stocks or, um, just look over more animals than, um, you know, I growing up in, in Southwest Montana going elk hunting, there a lot of days you don't see anything. Mm-hmm. You go up there, you think you're doing right. And you got nothing, mm-hmm. you know, out here, you, um, the, the way we we're hunting it and, and how we set ourselves up with options, we were able to see a lot of, um, opportunity and then shoot for the high percentage which we ended up getting some great stocks and it was a a lot of fun
0: oh right um yeah running around that place so we got packed up right we also brought a raft so we could put in there's river systems out there that bend away from the road where you can kind of get away from them and some guys even bring jet boats up there which would be such a handy tool for up here you've got a buddy that's a fighter jet pilot that has He's built his own jet boat, right? You were telling me about that?
1: Yeah. um, I got a good friend that lives in town here. He actually uh, um, got out of the Army, and he was a a helicopter pilot. But um, he's into making these little tiny jet boats that um, you basically can go anywhere. just everywhere and a lot of places that no one else can go with their jet boats or um, with their feet. Yeah. and uh, So learning a lot about the area up here. There's a lot of options for the guy that's uh,
0: willing to put the,
1: the work in and the knowledge and um, take it all in.
0: Right. So he built this little jet boat and it's like, what, 12 feet long? And you said he's, it's got a a jet ski engine in it or something. Yeah. That, and he had it custom built. And so he's got this thing and then he's a fighter jet pilot and he's got the stick control on it. And, um, I've seen a couple of your guys' videos. They scare the hell out of me. I mean, you guys fly up those systems, but you're flying up those little streams that most guys can't get a jet boat up. And I see you guys going over logs and twisting and winding in that thing. That's pretty wild, man.
1: Yeah. It's, um, um, it's a boat setup that it's actually, uh, it, um, you see a lot of them in Idaho, um, in the snake river and that kind of thing. Okay. These little boats, but yeah, it's, it's a souped up jet ski engine. Um, so you you buy a, a hot rod jet ski and there's a guy in Idaho that, um, builds an aluminum boat around it. Basically it's a lightweight two man, um, go in and get a moose out or go get a couple of caribou and, um, do it on little amount of fuel. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to burn through it as fast and, but absolutely go places that nothing else will go. It mm-hmm. doesn't need a lot of water to get up on step. And, um, tight cornering and it's a lot of fun
0: oh it's so cool he flies it like it's a fighter jet yeah. <laughs> like the mm-hmm. the way i see your guys's videos um man that's awesome and so he gets remote fishing out of that but any of that remote hunting he gets right they kill giant moose out here and then um he gets on uh, sheep hunts as well right getting mm-hmm. up in through those systems where nobody else can get and then getting up in those rough rugged mountains
1: yep cutting off the the distance that you're gonna put on your feet and do it with a boat
0: oh man uh, you have to in this country it's crazy trying to Cover country. I mean, you look at things, and it doesn't look that far. But this is Montana. That that tundra and Muskeg is just a killer to get through. And you hear that all the time, and you hear it described. You know, it's like walking on a sponge, or you know, it's it, it's just a bunch of water and all these mounds that stick up out of the water, anywhere from six inches to a foot and a half. And it it just it is like a sponge. Every time you sit, your your ankles are uneasy and want to roll in it. And then it just takes so much. Muscle in your legs to stabilize yourself on every step that you just burn through energy like I always say like hiking through snow you know is three times the exertion like if you hike a mile on flat dry ground like hiking that snow is like three miles and I think that that tundra I think it equates to that when you're walking on that muskeg and some of it's worse than others
1: yeah there's six types of uh, ground out there you never know each step's a little different so um Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of um haphazardly walking. I don't know. I, I'm used to cruising up and down trails in Montana. Oh, just going for it. Yeah, miles and, upon
0: miles. And you're good.
1: You're you're sure-footed and you go. Yeah. But up here, you start looking around and you're stumbling <clears> and <throat> just having a tough time. And uh, like you said, so much of, you, of uh, your leg um, exertion or um, workout is these lateral muscles that – you know, for sure I have not used in a while, and you know, <laughs> Dude, put things in perspective for me. But yeah,
0: it is wild. Yeah. Well, we went for it, which was pretty cool. We didn't let anything scare us and, and went for those things and, and just got back to where, you know, when you're hunting, I mean, it's like hunting Montana elk and you got one road system and everybody can hunt there. You know, it's like a, a local spot and there is pressure there, but I don't know. You, you find your own caribou, you find your own spots. You're just able to get away from them and have this awesome experience. And that's what we were able to do.
1: Yeah. And then the people that we did talk to, um, uh, to be honest with you, I found, um, um, bit open, they're honest and talking and happy to see you and just um no problem sharing information and and having a back and forth where i've seen it go the other way i've lived in enough states and 100 enough places and i've seen it go uh the other way or you roll up on someone or someone rolls up on you and you just not as outgoing these folks seemed outgoing for a local spot um but yeah it uh
0: excuse me sorry about that yeah don't
1: (laughs) it was uh it was a lot of white socks
0: the sting bugs we uh so there's the white socks bugs and so anytime you got a cough it's probably because you swallowed a white sock so that's what we keep blaming it on so sorry about that i had a little cough (laughs) it was probably white socks down my throat yeah so yeah there's um you're, you're absolutely right like able to just get away from them find our own deals a little bit more effort and just go get into those things so yeah it was wild we um you got to look hard for them. You got to glass a lot of country, and they're easy to miss. I mean, sure you can see the easy ones, but to really find those things, you got to glass farther distances out and and in those farther features out there, and find where those those caribou are, and find the migration, and go get into them, and look in. In every spot, you know, I, there could be a bull anywhere, you know, and so you you look all the way through that country. But yeah, we were able to find them and get on them. Like um, I say the bugs, we knew there was going to be bugs. We're hunting in August in Alaska, um, but they were kind of a non-factor. It just didn't bug me too much. Bug you at all? Um, there was a few times where um, I could have uh, done without it, but I mean, for <laughs> the most part, so
1: like mosquitoes were not bad. There was this little. Um, this, this little gnat fly not an nosseum but uh um uh, we've come to find out they they call them white sox and they just, we don't even know if that's the name that's yeah. just what Scott told us we <laughs> he could well, gonna the name. yeah but white sox is what we're going with and they uh um they're just a little tiny gnat, i guess and you get down close to the ground and you're crawling around putting a stock on a caribou getting inside you know 50 yards on a bowl bedded down and next thing you know you're just getting um you know in your eye and i, I run contacts in the field instead of glasses and, and then my contacts all jacked up and in the corner <laughs> and i'm thinking about trying to knock an arrow and what range is it and not make too much noise and you know, um and then you throw the whites out. Like I said, you throw those in there, and it just changes everything. Yeah. So, so we it's had, got its unique spin.
0: It does, yeah. yeah. I mean, you definitely have to deal with them. It's not that they're a non-issue, but they just, in effect you know the trip at all like you just um you wear the hood you wear the face mask i don't like the headnets even though the headnets are total safety from those things you put on a headnet all of a sudden you don't get bit they're not crawling in your ears and in your eyes and in your nose and they're not on you all the time like we had a lot of great camp life and great walking where we didn't have them where we had a breeze they only get thick at times you know um but yeah that head net i can't see out of i don't like that thing i never saw you wear yours yeah, so we I, just went with face mask, hood, long sleeves. Um, I'd spray my hands with some deet, you know, in the morning and that would get me through. Uh, but you just, you know, they're thick at times and they're not thick at other times. But yeah, those white socks, those little gnats they're they're like, a, I don't even know, I guess they bite you. That's um, eventually you get hit by them, but it just seems like they're just in your face. Like you say, in your eyes, in your nose, in your ears, mouth hole, you're swallowing bugs, <laughs> coughing them up. Um, but... You know, it was really a non issue as far as a trip. I'd still go that time of year. This time of year.
1: Yeah, you bet it makes you wonder what it's like up there in June though. And when there's standing (laughs) water, you might die in June. Yeah.
0: There is standing water everywhere (laughs) up there. Yeah, so it's wet nonstop. So everywhere you go you got that that muskeg that's so tough to hike in and we can't even do it justice like how tough it is to hike in you know you you walk across that stuff and you can describe it a million different ways from sunday but nobody knows what you're talking about until they get out there walking on it and you walk a mile on that stuff and just the exertion level needed is crazy but you just gotta you gotta send it you gotta go for it right do you see good caribou um and i was just amazed like seeing that caribou i've just always wanted to hunt them it's always been an animal i've wanted to hunt and i also heard that around these road systems they get to know pressure a little bit more they're spookier of humans you know than if you were to fly out and get your own caribou herd nobody else was messing with it and there's nothing against that and i think that works good for for killing caribou like i think you guarantee yourself in them where this deal you're not guaranteed to get one it's tough hunting out there
1: yeah but there's um a lot of opportunity for the person to put the extra work in. Oh, for and, sure. And, hey, here's the deal. I, you know, um, I work hard. I've got a family. I can't fly in yeah. all the time. I'm, right. You know, I'm spending my money to do another moose hunt with my dad this year, mm-hmm. do another fly-in, which is going to be great. But um, a yeah, guy's got to have something that he can do a little cheaper and not, you know, pay for it all year not that that's a bad thing but you got to be able to do more than just one big hunt a year right yeah that's it so that this that's off, that offers me the opportunity to do that
0: right is... oh that's so us right sign punch my ticket right now for yeah. next year it's yeah. pretty fun yeah. uh so so yeah we went out um gosh so we got out there and um we just started getting in caribou country so we're just arriving um getting into caribou country And we get down in there, and we look up on the hill, and I said, Chase, there's something up there, you know? And I thought it was a moose because it was black. And I've only seen five caribou in my entire life, so I'm not a caribou expert at this point, and and still not. But I I look up there, and I see black, and I actually thought it was a moose up there. I said, hey, hey, stop, pull over here. I, I see something up there. So we looked up there, and it was a caribou bull, and just these... Gorgeous chocolate-colored velvet horns, you know, up there. And he had he had big tops on him. I remember he had big tops. Now, you know, I haven't seen very many caribou. I don't even know how to judge him. But I know that's a shooter for me. That looks like a good one. And I, he was a good bull. Like... I don't think he was a gigantic Megla, but he was, like, a good, decent, respectable one. But um, we instantly pop out of the truck and go for it, right? I mean, um, it's like, there's a caribou bull we want to shoot. We're here. You know, and it's getting late. We've been driving for eight hours. I've been on a plane for 12 hours before that. You know, we're burnt. We hardly get our gear together in the truck to get out, but got to go for a stock.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I had everything really packed up well before we, we left. And of course, then all of a sudden that happened so fast that, um, you know, trying to get, um, the right shoes on and all that, I ended up running out with a pair of, you know, Flat work shoes, and getting soaked <laughs> on my first night out there, which is which is not ideal, but hey, we got a stock, yeah, we got into caribou,
0: well, you get soaked no matter what you do out there. Yeah. we haven't figured out that system yet, yeah. I don't need to do some hard thinking on it, and so the I don't know there's right if there's a perfect setup, God, I mean, you guys know me, you know, I like lightweight tenor, tennis shoes, which is not the perfect shoe for Alaska, it's ridiculous, oh, wow. or like an ankle height um you know, hiking boot. I like those too, but I just like my footwear light. And so I went with waterproof and then I've got a neoprene sock that I can put on, but I just ran socks and it. it just seems like, um, you can stay dry for quite a while, but eventually that muskeg gets deep or you hit a little swampy spot or it's, it's so freaking wet out there. It's all water.
1: Everything's got a saturation point, period. Yeah. I don't yeah. care what you're running unless you're running rubber boots and I'm not. Hey, we we sent it a couple of times. We put some 20-mile, you know, 20-mile circuits in there out that stuff getting I mean, I was soaked. I had trench foot. I mean, right. abs- you did have trench foot. <laughs> absolutely wet. And yeah. you know, the only thing that's going to keep you dry is what? Hip waders or or like um, you know, whatever sort of uh mud boot you'd wear, but I'm not I don't want to go walk though. I mean, 20 miles in those boots so I don't know if there's a perfect situation it's um carrying two sets of shoes (laughs) yeah it
0: could be carrying two sets of shoes I brought my wet wedding shoes this time and neoprene socks I thought that might be the system but that tundra and all those branches and things you can't do that it's just going to grab at you so yeah just rotate two pairs of shoes but you should almost be packing another set of shoes and like you say you yes you can keep your feet dry but hiking that many miles in muck boots there's no way your feet are going to be blistered you're just not going to no. make it you know that, that's
1: why people don't um push themselves
0: yeah don't go that far yeah. you know a lot of guys are looking for road plays and that's all they're looking for which is, uh,
1: this is a little understandable in some places
0: yeah i mean yeah but you can't blame them with that egg no. and getting around in there you know we were just looking for our own experience and to, to try to get away from the pressure and 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 we did man i mean we got the true alaskan experience where you just where you take off and just do miles and miles and miles with your pack on your on your back and you get back into remote alaska where you really are all by yourself and go find the caribou herd back there and go play on them i mean that was awesome but yeah i don't footwear and you could wear a heavier boot but eventually i mean it's like you're standing in in a creek the whole time like, I mean, eventually anything you wear is going to get wet unless it's rubber. Yep. Yep. And I wore my, um, wading boots and, in, in breathable waders last year when we hunted quite a bit. Um, and I don't mind breathable waders, but the neoprene kind of binds up in those wading shoes and even the best wading shoes. Like I, I remember I rubbed my ankle. Remember we climbed a mountain last year and we hiked around quite a bit looking for those moose and different benches and things and hiking around in those waders, just miserable
1: yeah they're uh they're, they set them up as so almost a one size fit uh fits all in the, in the yeah. boot um, in your boot foot there's there's not a winning combination i i, I uh, i'm able to help a lot of people out with waders every year and um get them set up and i can tell you this that uh um one in 20 actually fits their foot right and i i don't know the system on that that's just how it goes like, yep it's what you got
0: Yep. Oh man, isn't that the truth? We're all built different and and we all know what we like and what works for us. I also thought a huge advantage out there was using the trekking poles. So I didn't use them much. I should have used them a lot more, but we used them. I used them getting back out that really super long day we had, and that seemed to help stabilize my legs a little bit more.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. increase your uh, sure-footedness, let's say.
0: Yeah. For sure, yeah, I was able to move and cover country. But anyways, we got over there the first day, saw that bull, got a stock on him, and so we just grabbed our stuff and got out, and then Scott went back and went in, I don't know, half a mile, mile behind us from the direction we were stalking, and he started up the hill in case the caribou spooked over there. And that's where we got to start to learn the nature of caribou, where... You know, you see them go in one direction and, and 30 seconds later, they'll run the opposite direction and those bugs, they really bother them. I think the White Sox get to them over there, you know, and so those things will take off and, and just run in a direction and just be gone. But you don't know, 10 minutes later, they could come running back and running right into you. You just like this caribou, it's tough to get a direction on them, but they're just every animal you hunt, it, it just has different tendencies and, and different ways it reacts And the caribou was so fun to just um to to really get into and understand them and learn them as good as we could so that we learned real quick we started up off off a caribou and he looked like he was in a good spot feeding there
1: yeah we were able to uh i mean we were almost in bow range we had good terrain everything was good wind was good i mean we were we were set up um but he was here and then he was there (laughs) It's about. He was
0: here and then he was there. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so he actually took off and went right towards Scott.
1: In a dead run.
0: Yep. And um, Scott's a super experienced hunter and he's killed a bunch of caribou. Well, he was out there and set up, and I, we watched that caribou go right by him and no shot, nothing, you know asked him what had happened well he had he had taken out his release and then left it on a seat and we just weren't prepared we were no. all driving with our street clothes on just trying to get to a camp spot and get over there and make it there you know and so he jumped out of the truck and didn't have his release with him and but you know he he's so into the experience and just having fun camping with us i mean the nicest guy in the world he'd, he'd give you the shirt off your back he'd give you he'd give you his pants he'd give you everything the guy is so nice like he just helped us out around every corner ran our shut just really enjoyed hanging out at camp life and what a great guy
1: yeah he definitely had a lot of fun he he made the experience that much better
0: yep for sure, yeah, and and I know he wants to do it again. He had fun and got into, but yeah, he totally forgot his release in his truck <laughs> and went up there and got into bow range that thing. And
1: I, he said he was at thirty five yards. Yeah,
0: thirty five yards of it. Yeah, yeah, and and he's killed a bunch of nice caribou and not, you know, it could happen to anybody. I could have ran up there without my stuff just as easy. And and I hate making bonehead moves, but they happen to all of us. You just try to minimize them right we didn't lose anything this trip we did pretty good didn't we didn't bonehead anything but no, Scott did, did he was in our group boneheaded his release and then from there he was dialed you know but that just happens we all make mistakes Yep. yeah but anyways got up there got in bow range and so we didn't have any chance at that bowl came back and and regrouped and can we look back up and there's another bowl up on the top and he's a wide one and he's got big tops again boy that was a great bowl and so that was one of my regrets that night is that i didn't go for that bowl i should have gone up and made a play. And he was way up the mountainside and then we had a big storm rolling in on us. it
1: it wasn't it was not that far down the road where we nailed it i mean it absolutely dumped it that night it got yep. foggy cold and yeah it, it was starting to
0: rain there and then we took off down and it just got worse and worse and so yeah i mean you would have made it halfway up to that bowl and it would have stormed in and you wouldn't have got a play, but it's still like, you just see this bull up there and he's by himself and he's the one you want, you know, and I didn't want to kill one the first day, but um, man, oh man. Like if you see the one you want, you can't pass him up on the first day, you know, I've never killed a caribou. And so I just want an opportunity, a decent one, but both of those fit the bill. We didn't make a play on that upper bull Cause we still had a couple hours to drive or hour and a half to drive to get down to the spot we wanted to be. And so, Um, we took off and headed and went and made camp. I think we, we saw some caribou along the way, huh?
1: Yeah. I, um, there was, uh, I think we probably saw a half dozen on the way down through there. Just solo rolling country. Um, I think they were all cows, but yeah. Not a whole bunch. No, uh, still high high hopes. She just, we just got there. Two shooter bulls and then a handful on the way, you know, a handful of caribou on the way to camp. I mean.
0: Life's good. I was feeling pretty good. We're into them. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. You see caribou bulls like that, you know, you're into them. It's just, man, I I just love hunting different species. Like, I can't even articulate, like, how exciting it is to see these creatures that you've never seen with these giant racks out there that are all in velvet and their bodies and their white mane in the front. And then their really dark coloration. But you get to see them in their natural habitat in that tundra, you know, in that muskeg and its wide open country in these rolling hills. And then you're able to see how graceful they roll through country and watch the bugs bother them and watch them in herd dynamics and moving. And we actually saw caribou do about every different thing a caribou could do, right? I mean, they weren't always running. They weren't always moving. They weren't always migrating. And sometimes they just hang out there.
1: Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that. I mean, we've, you know, they we've seen them be... Um, look clumsy and goofy running at you just all knees and, and feet It's just interesting looking and then to see them do the same thing in the tundra and it's a it's amazing they actually are super graceful oh man um you know um we've walked up on them bedded down and you know you they you you think you're glassing but then you see them bedded down and you're almost walking up i'm like no we're not really glassing yet these things are They can hide in there.
0: Oh, you got to pick it apart. And then you got to look further distances, get your scope out, really pick it apart and find them where the guys aren't getting to them. And we saw that. One bull that hung out, I mean, we saw a caribou hanging out, but that one good bull from camp was the one I remember that we saw hanging out for a long time. You actually spotted it from camp. We hadn't seen much, and you were glassing these far-off hills, and, you know, I got a caribou up there and set up the scope on it, and that was a good bull, man. He had good tops and a good frame on him. It looked like light-colored velvet on him.
1: Yeah, you got to, uh, you know, looking up at him and, and thinking back on it, um, all the other caribou we saw were... We're moving or, uh, or running here and running there, and then you know going back the other direction, and you know that was a commitment. We uh, to get to that bowl. that was going to be a, a, a throw air in a raft, and you know we we ran down to try to see if we can wade across this this water system that we'd have to get across to get to him, and there's just no way, Mm-mm. and it was it was you, getting late. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's gnarly.
1: Um, so I mean, it's a raft scenario, period, and, and we had the stuff to do it, but it was. 1030 at night almost i mean it was yeah it, we were running out of the 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 only part of the day that's dark the couple hours that was going to be dark was going to be right then i know and it just was a tough call the gut check and it just didn't make any sense but
0: yeah no it didn't make sense we had the rafts we were ready to go i think you also need like an easy raft like like our raft is good it's the perfect setup but it'll take us an hour to blow that thing up don't you think
1: Um, yeah I mean it's a legit raft for doing a good fly in and um, hauling a couple of moose out that kind of thing which it's got its place you know if we're gonna go float all day absolutely but yeah uh, I don't think you need a super high end but getting across the river I I wouldn't do it in a canoe
0: oh everybody likes those canoes out here they're crazy
1: yeah I'm No no way.
0: Yeah, last time I was in a canoe, I flipped out all my fishing gear into the river and had to swim for the shore and save the canoe and save as much stuff as I could grab. I think I told you about that, but it was in the Madison, and I went with this kid that had a canoe, and I can't – maybe he was from Alaska. I don't know. They like canoes (laughs) up here, but – and I'd been in canoes before, and, you know, it's a steering deal, but those things are made for lakes, and they're just tippy if you get a high center of gravity. And so we were rolling down the river and trying to get into the bank, and I – I don't think I had the back position. I was pretty young, which um, he had the back position. I had the front. Anyways, we tried to get to shore and just tip that thing over. And all our stuff just yard sailed across the river. We're grabbing for gear and grabbing for the canoe, trying to swim it across. So, yeah, I don't trust canoes either.
1: Yeah, No, no this is a um, – I've been around water a, lo- a lot. And uh, the, the big enough rivers, you want something like a raft or, yeah. um, you know, I would rather take a party pool across <laughs> than a canoe <laughs> I've seen them and like you said I, there's a handful of rigs that we saw guys coming in to go hunting or this and that and absolutely they they like their canoes
0: oh man they do yeah a lot of guys had canoes that looks sketchy to me but you know I know those things work and those guys can probably get across the river in them and, um, but yeah I think having a vessel is a good deal and I think that's a good way to hunt them out there and get away from the pressure too you know the the river systems bend away from roads. And if you can float from road to road and kind of get away, like even if you can just get a mile or two off the road, that's a mile or two of muskeg. That's like five miles of exertion to get there. So you're really setting yourself up to have your own play at stuff and also being able to cross that river.
1: Yeah. You got to keep your options open. There's no one way. That's the one, that's the biggest thing I took from this whole, um, you know, adventure, this whole trip we went on is and what I learned from Scott is it changes every year. Yep. have options yep be ready to you know um do what it takes no matter what that looks like for you and your hunting style
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, adapt, evolve, and overcome, right? Just yep, absolutely. Um, look at your most recent information, your most current information, and try to adapt the hunt to that. And a lot of hunts are that way. Like, it's never exactly how you picture it when you get there. And, and this is no different or even more so with caribou, as they're so unpredictable in which way they move and, and how they move. And so I think you're right. You just got to be ready with all tactics to be able to get to them and just be willing to do whatever it takes. Yep. So let's see. So we got on some bulls, and then um, with with my bull, we got a stock on that thing. So we had spotted some caribou. We made a play out, and – At that point, we just didn't know what we were doing yet. We went out, we saw a bunch of caribou, and we went out there, and they're just in the wide freaking open, a big group and another, and it's just like, man, there's no way to get in on those things without those things seeing us. Like, I don't know, you know, and I, so I think caribou a lot, it's not stocking up on them, which is a hard theory for me to grasp. It's actually looking at them, seeing which direction they're going to go or where they're moving to and trying to get in front of them.
1: It, yeah, it's like a um, a force-driven drive, you know, a driven yeah. hunt.
0: Yeah, well, they're they're they're,
1: they're doing it to themselves. You're yeah, just you're just exactly like, these things are going to move over there. Period. That's what they're going to yeah. do. However, you go shove in there two miles, they turned around and went the other way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's learning and and uh, um, man, there's a lot of luck with all of it.
0: Yeah, there's some luck for sure. Quite a bit. You got to get them to go the right way, but. Yeah, and and it's being patient and sitting back and watching them until you get a good read on where you think they're going to go. But you're right. It's, you know, and when you say a driven hunt, it's not driven by other hunters. They're just no. moving, it's a migration. No. I think
1: it's driven by the bugs, right. if I it had could to guess. Be. Yes, for <laughs> sure.
0: Yeah, we saw them getting bugged by the bugs quite a bit. Um But yeah, so you're constantly trying to move in front of them. So, you know, that was just a new theory that I had to grasp that I couldn't, you know, go run up on them and try to make a stock or make a play, especially not every place where they're at in that wide open tundra. so... We went out, saw that big herd there, just in no place to make a play. And we kind of sat and hemmed and hawed. And I, you know, we just kind of talked and said, Man, I mean, what are we going to do here? I mean, you either walk right in the wide open and go spook them, or, you know, you go find something to make another play. I mean, or you sit on them patiently and, and wait to get your opportunity. But we opted to go look around and see what we could find. And
1: Yeah, we were still figuring everything out. Yeah. What end was up? Yep. I mean, we kept calling south, north, and north, south. Oh, so God, we that was
0: doing. so confusing the whole time. <laughs> I didn't know why that was.
1: Because uh, whenever yeah. you're going downhill, you feel like you're going south. Oh, That's, yeah. It's wrong up here. Okay.
0: Yeah, it's bass <laughs> backwards. Um, yeah, so we're just trying to figure it all out. And then we look up there, and we spot a group of caribou, and there's two shooter bulls up in there, and they're yep. just good, decent bulls. I mean, they got good fronts, good frames, good tops, you know, and – And so, um, you know, we decided, you know, well, this is a pretty good opportunity. And so at one point we went out there and made a big circle in the tundra, right? We thought they were coming right. We tried to move in front of them right. And then they turned and they ran down the ridge. And then – so then we circled down into the bottom, got in the swamp down there in a creek that we couldn't cross, (laughs) and then made a big circle back and through, like just made this huge loop. And then – Went and relocated them, and they're they're dang, dang near back in the first spot where we spotted them. They're just running around like crazy out there, you know. Um, but there was two shooter bulls in there, and so we both figured that we should sit on them and, and try to kill one of those things if we get a chance.
1: Yep, it's uh, um, like I said. I I thought we we blew it. They're gone. They rolled. They were. You know, I'm 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 thinking we're hunting elk. They just rolled country and, you know, that's it's on to the next thing. But like I said, we were able to put eyes back on them and they were in almost the exact same place. They did a circle as well.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah, they circled right back. And so we kind of reset and and sat on them and watched them and just – trying to be patient you know we're trying not to run out there and exert a bunch of energy and not get on them or have them be gone when you get there and so it's like this strategic planning of like really trying to get a good read on what they're doing and and so you know if they bed then you know they're going to stay there if they're moving a direction you know how committed are they to that direction you know are they going to cross that and keep going well the two bulls kind of split up from the herd right they were running on their own program yep and they ran over a ridge, and so we went on the backside looking for them on that ridge, and they had doubled back, and so they were working right on the top of the ridge, and we thought, well, this is as good an opportunity as any, like, let's start closing the gap a little bit, and just try to get a little bit closer to them, where we can get a read, and try to get in front of them whichever way they head, and so we made her play out, and um, those, those bulls were out there, and we get out there quite a ways, and then we're him and Han. we're trying to decide do we go left we were going to hide behind that mound right there do we stay on the ridge line and kind of him and Han? and before we know it this bull turns and heads right for us
1: yeah i i I, we were probably what we were quarter mile still yeah i'd say pretty easy on the ridge line same ridge line 400 yards yep yep yeah maybe maybe a little more if i had to guess i mean um And like you said, he just uh, mind made up. It almost like he threw his head up, but instead of throwing his head up and going the other direction, which I'm used to seeing, he threw his head up and came at us. Um, First day in, here's this shooter coming right at us.
0: Yeah. And and we hardly had enough time to even get off the ridge. We were just stuck where we just got to kneel down off the side of the ridge, and here he comes and barely get an arrow knocked. And, and you were filming for him, which was cool footage, and, and able to get drawn back on him. And that thing trotted by us at 45 miles an hour. There was no slowing down, no, no. nothing as he came cruising by us on the ridge. I
1: think he was running away from the bugs.
0: <laughs> right? And then he bolts down in this bottom and then hangs out down in that bottom down there and And so we we go get a little bit closer, and and he ran by us at, what, 15 yards? Yeah. Close. Yep. And then dove dove off down in this bottom down in there, and so we make a play at him down in the bottom. It's time to try to make something happen and get down to the edge, and he's still down there. and. He's hanging out in the bottom, kind of feeding around, and then he's moving from the bugs, and he's back and forth, but he's not moving that far. He's pretty stationary down in yeah,
1: there. At one point, he laid down in the water. Yep. He, there was a uh, little creek run around down in there. He wouldn't lay down. I just, I guess being a caribou, it would kind of be um, mm-hmm. um, entertaining to watch and yep. enjoyable for sure.
0: Yeah, and he split off from the other bull. We don't even know where the other bull went. No. I think the we... other bull went the other direction or something, but after that bull ran by us, we were pretty focused on him. Yeah. Yep. So down in that bottom, and so we make a play down in there, got soaking wet, of course, walked over some of the worst tundra we had seen through that that part, but got down in on him and got to make a play down there in the willows, sneaking around, and at one point had him at 82 right there, and then, you know, he bolted down through, and then able to get a good shot in the river, you're able to film the thing, I actually hit him pretty low in there but did the job that i you know i could see his back and there was brush in front of his vitals but i knew the arrow would arc over and get him you know and i had a good range on him but the arrow did hit a little bit low but just crushed him i mean he made it 10 12 yards and then died in a pond
1: yep (laughs) just chose the water as the final uh um the final shot in the ribs.
0: Yeah right um, so yeah so uh, yeah we got them I mean first caribou down I mean i just thrilled to death it came together like I just got to be prepared for your opportunities and I just I wanted a decent caribou bowl this one fit the bill and able to get a nice shot on I mean I was just thrilled to death to be able to, to harvest one I've never even seen a caribou you know I've seen five before this trip but to be able to go up there and hunt those things and then make a good shot on it you were able to capture everything which was really cool to have we've got just great photos and video of the entire hunt which is really cool to me i love capturing it but yeah you were able to get the whole thing make a shot on him, dies in the pond and then and then we got to figure out how in the heck we're going to get him out of the pond <laughs> yeah so down to and my again under-
1: we, we we're uh, trying to figure out footwear so we know we don't have waiters with
0: us oh right yeah no waiters <laughs> that day right um yep so it was down to my underwear barefoot Got out there and able to wrestle that thing on the bank, and then you were able to help me get them out, you know, and it was no big deal, you know. I, I didn't know how big they were, though, floating in that pond. I never even walked up on one. I mean, I may have got up and it was a 600-pound animal, but I think they're less than that. What are they, about 450 or yeah, I'd say 400 that's maybe?
1: I should probably know that off the top of my head, but <laughs> yeah, I'd say right in there. I it's mean... a
0: question for Scott, right? <laughs> yeah, Just phone a friend. We, we, <laughs> yeah, we asked Scott about everything we didn't know about Alaska at all points. He was guide but uh he entertained us and, and answered all our questions just a super nice guy but yeah able to get a caribou down man he has so much mass up top on his palms good points there his beds are huge they're just gorgeous big beds with you know big shovels and big tines i mean i was just stoked get that thing out of the water and and take some good pictures and um, get ready for the white socks
1: yeah that was uh, um of all times that uh, and head net and Lightweight clubs or whatever makes sense. I'd say it's when you're uh, going into the, the final harvesting process of getting them out of the field. Yeah. Period.
0: They got yeah. pretty thick there and yeah. pretty thick the whole hike out. It was kind of a, a miserable They're pack. out tracked it to your sweat too. The yeah, I think they,
1: so. We've got, you know, um, boned out meat on our back. Heavy hauling so you're, you're sweating as you're walking through the musk So you got double duty as far as bugs are concerned. Mm-hmm. A little yeah. rough, little evil
0: oh man they were evil but yeah we, we... we barched out of there we we're fine oh yeah you led the way out of there um but yeah it led the way through the muskeg and we made it back out of there and got that bull out and and uh man oh man yeah just so awesome um come to a new place and be able to harvest a caribou and it it's so cool that now we get to keep hunting you got your tag and to swap off and man I'm able to kill a nice caribou and feel like the pressure's off a little bit even though there isn't really any pressure you know I'm there for the experience and to just embrace everything and oh you know, church I would have liked to kill them you know day six or day seven farther into it but you got to take them like when you get the chances and the opportunities we still didn't know things very well at that point it was like you know, I don't know how many chances you're gonna get that might have been the only one
1: it very easily could have been I mean there's like you said uh um, not that long ago uh there's more country where they're not than there's country where there are. Yes. And there's a lot of that country all around. And right. you're trying to figure it out and it could have went the other way real easy and um it changes every year.
0: Yeah, it changes every year, always different. But yeah, I mean such a thrilling encounter. So fun to have you there with me. And like I say, I just so excited to hunt this animal with these. I mean, I, I just, I, it isn't all about the rag, but they have giant racks. Like, it's just amazing the antlers on top of their heads and just how majestic they are and how they fit into the landscape. You know, when you're when you're hunting, you know, antelope on the prairie, they seem like they fit. Or elk in the mountains or mule deer in the high country or whatever it is, they just fit into that landscape. And caribou in the tundra is a different experience, you know. It's just wild to see, you know, an animal that's evolved from thousands of years of doing that up in that harsh you know Arctic temperatures tundra to be able to do that is just wild man. It's a tough way of life. a tough way of life, <laughs> yeah, so able to get him down, get him taken care of, and now um now we switch places time to to go hunt one for you, and I'm so glad we were able to hang out for a few more days and and be able to hunt those things hard and get after them Cause, um we had one of the most epic days of hunting that I've ever had barn none any species, any animal. that was pretty awesome that day.
1: Yeah, um, you finally pushed me into, uh, um, pushing myself past that five mile mark or six mile mark off oh, the road
0: they were a poke yeah i'm always moving the yeah. needle on you <laughs> i moving mean not, the needle. You're, you're in really good shape and you're always willing to go for it. we make a really good team man you always keep a good attitude but yeah these were a little bit farther than your average caribou so, to, and,
1: to the point where scott was like yeah you're gonna go where and you're gonna go why
0: scott <laughs> thought we were nuts he thought we were uh-huh. out of our minds
1: he was definitely telling us we were earning it
0: yeah but you know it's it's a caribou can be carried out by two guys and we, we want to go get into them. And, and, you know, that was the patch. We knew where they were and they were so far that, that nobody else was seeing them or even going for them. You know, they were way back in there and, uh, you know, it's even hard to put a mileage on it. You know, it's, um, you know, I should have had a GPS track us in and through there, but it was a bunch of miles through the muskeg. I mean, it was it was going for it, but we we had seen a bunch of caribou back off this mountain, and it's it's a mountain range and. Dude, like walking up there, I was telling you, like, this is my dream in Alaska. It's just to take off, and you don't know. We, we were planning on being gone all night long if we had to. We'll hunt for two days. We didn't have our tent or a sleeping gear, but we had our puffball and everything to cover up and sleep through the night. And the night is two hours at most.
1: Right, she's able to to recoup a little bit, and uh, again, Scott, nicest guy in the world. He's like, "Well, I'll just stay down here with the trucks, and you know, watch your guys' truck for you." And we're telling him, "No, just go back to camp." I, I don't know if this will be five hours. This is going to be, you know, forty-eight hours. We just don't know right now. And, uh, um, but yeah, he stayed.
0: Yeah, nicest guy in the world. So yeah, I mean, it's it's past past your comfort level, past all of our comfort level, but it's just going for it we knew there was caribou out there we knew there was decent bulls out there and it was like that's where they're at if we want to go get one we got to go get it and so we trekked in there I mean we made pretty good time just m- making time through that musk egg climbing up that mountain range and getting back in there and finally starting to get into some caribou we're seeing cows and things around us and hadn't really seen any bulls and even the, the big herd and the big migration is still just another pole away from us like mm-hmm. twice what we've already done yeah, sure which was,
1: yeah, which was already a lot.
0: Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, we were way in the heck back in there. And so get back in there, and we're just starting to get into them. And then we glass up on the ridge, and oh, my God, that caribou on the ridge was like something else. It was this giant one with these giant tops up and through there. I mean, what a bull, right? I looked over, and said, will that one work? And he, yeah, <laughs> this one's going to work, bud. Well, he
1: was up <laughs> living up in sheep country.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, it yeah. was
1: really cool. He was uh, yeah. able to put eyes on him. We saw a handful of uh, uh, cows and, uh, and other caribou moving through that, that area, like you said. But then um, it was he walked skylined. Mm-hmm. Just all you could see was tops and points and caribou skylined and sheep country, and he bedded down.
0: Yep. Pretty bedded, cool. Bedded up there on top. And we hadn't seen a whole lot bed, but he bedded up on the ridge where he was out of the bugs. And so that was his game. And so we made a play pretty quick and we made a plan to get up there and you can't, can't ever tell how steep something is until you're on it. But we were going towards sheer cliff mountainside, but then we look up there and we spot this sheep trail that kind of goes up and it gets us right up on the ridge, right at the same elevation of this monster bull up there where we could almost pop up and shoot or pop up and make a small stalk and get on him. And so we started stalking like where I'd hunt sheep or where I'd hunt mule deer, you know, and up up through the shale rock and able to get on that little sheep trail and make it up there.
1: Yeah, got up. up. Wind was right. Um, like I said, uh, got got on the top and got into bow range of this thing, bedded down, which was really cool. One of the coolest experiences I've had.
0: Oh, one of the coolest experiences in my bow hunting career too. Like, crawl into forty yards of just the biggest ball you've ever seen, you know. And we could just see his tops there. You got all set up to shoot. I got set up behind you. We had a great range on him. I mean, those those uh, palmation on those tops there's no problem getting your rangefinder to bounce off that <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're reflective <laughs> yeah right
0: so we had a good range and we just um in sneaking into range of that thing i mean it was like the stock you wanted where he was just over the hillside yeah go ahead i'll take one yep um he was just over the hillside like and there was a bunch of rocks and boulders up there and we were able to kind of sneak close enough to get into is a you know we sneak in like we were hunting a mule deer like the way our footfalls were and how quiet we were being and then able to crawl at some points and getting close and so then get right into bow range and uh, you got narrow knocked sight set we're just waiting for him to stand up
1: it was a long long few minutes
0: All right yeah, so it didn't take him too long, but he eventually stood, gave a good broadside shot. Um, he did a good job of getting drawn while he was back there, took your time on your shot. and Yeah, I mean, just just a couple inches from where it needed to be and got that shoulder and didn't get through that shoulder, which, man, oh, man, I mean, I just, I feel for you. It was like, um, God, I've, I, I've hit elk in the shoulder and mule deer in the shoulder. And, man, it's just like I just don't get through there. I don't get the penetration. It's just like archery is this game of inches and and two inches in the wrong spot and it's like man all of a sudden you're in trouble but you hit him we thought we had him you
1: know oh, that was i was a real um, highest high right there
0: yeah i mean typical bow hunting highest of highs and lowest of lows and yeah we thought we had just smoked that bull he ran over the top of that cliff and almost got a shot at him over the top of that cliff and then we watched him go out and able to analyze the hit and man oh man I mean, it's just like um, two inches to the right, and it's a dead bull in the lungs. Two inches to the left, and it's just in the shoulder. And, I, you know, you try to aim off that shoulder, but we're, I mean, we're on a steep hillside, slanted hillside, you know, trying to shoot the biggest caribou of your life. Yeah, perfect there's, elevation there's and some, just like.
1: There's some buck fever in there. But, yeah, like you said, I, perfect elevation. I don't know if I, uh, you know, maybe I didn't run through the process like I should have. You know, maybe, yeah, I, maybe I missed a, um, a a final um leveling my bow i think i might have been canting well that was shoving my bubble to the left
0: that was one of our theories on the sloped hillside that the the bow didn't get leveled up or sometimes you level and then you start looking at your pin and it starts going that direction again because you're right on the edge of that cliff man it could have been it could have been anything too it you know it 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 could have been trying to put the arrow tight to that shoulder right in that sweet spot where you'd Mm. always shoot him and you miss the spot by two inches you know and try to aim off the shoulder what you can, but I mean, it, it's just bow hunting. It isn't, it isn't perfect and doesn't always happen yeah. perfect. Yeah, and right. It happens to the, the best of us. And God, I mean, we
1: weren't lobbing arrows at 80 yards and we yeah. were 40, I think we're 42 yards. Yeah. 42 oh, yards. we were in the wheelhouse. Oh man.
0: <laughs> yeah. Things stood up and yeah. I mean, you just, once you fire those arrows, you can't have them back and you try to make the best decisions you can. But dude, I mean, we've watched the thing back a million times on video. We got video of the thing and, We've watched it back a million times, and man, you took your time on your shot, executed your shot, you did everything right, just like a couple inches.
1: The, when it broke, and I heard it, and and I saw him lunge, I saw where the arrow arrow was, and to me, I I was, um, dead bull. Yes. And then not, not dead bull. <laughs>
0: man, I know it. So yeah, it's not a lethal hit. He's hitting the shoulder, and the arrow comes out. Um, but the bull's still in the tundra, and he's still rolling on his own, and you know, and I and I, I don't think that bull died. I've seen bulls hit in the shoulder, and I've even shot bulls that have been hit in the shoulder, and so you know, I think he made it. It it's just I. Like I say, hmm. I've I've shot bulls that have been shot in the shoulder yeah. that year or even past years, and and I you know I've done it too, man. I got you know I've got such a small draw length that I've got to really aim off that shoulder because that thing's just danger for me. You know, a lot of guys like um my well my buddy Dan Picard that works for Eastmans he shoots for the shoulder on on whitetails and antelope. I don't get through the shoulder on whitetails and antelope because I got a twenty seven inch draw. You know, so I've t- I've had to teach myself to aim about four inches off that shoulder, and when I do that, what I'm doing is I'm aiming at the center of the lungs. So if I miss a little bit left, I get him. If I miss a little bit right, I get him. Because even if you hit him in the liver, he still dies. You know, not that I'm aiming for the liver, but say I miss to that side by three inches right. from where I'm aiming, then I get the liver. He dies. But man, it, it happens to all of us. Yeah. It could happen to me on on my next hunt, and, and you know, it, it's happened to me before, and it. It'll happen again. It's just, just mistakes. And I just felt really bad for you. But the the bull's gonna live on. He's gonna be fine. But he works out in that tundra, and he's by himself. And the the big herd's way off and on the mountain. And like I told you, I said, you know, well, we got got a hit on this bull. Like, let's let's try for him again. He's not not hurt. He's not gonna die. But he's right there. Like, let's make a play on him. And well, so and
1: that's still just that's you. If you you can do everything you can at that point to um, or redeem or. Uh, make right or you know hey i got into the bow range i i you know i i uh i put the sharp stick in there and now i gotta finish it off or do my best yep. and everything i can that's just i don't know yeah important to me as right. a as a steward you know
0: oh it is man yeah it's doing the right thing and making the right decisions at, at every turn around every corner just always trying to do the right thing you yep. know and 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 we do when we hunt together and you do by yourself you've got you know you, you've got ethics that we can all shoot to have. So I mean, there's just no question in my mind. You're always going to do the right thing. But like I say, the right thing doesn't always happen to us. It's a game of inches, and you know that's just the that's just real life. That's real bow hunting. But he's fine, so we get to make another play on. Him. We got close to him again at at one point. We yeah,
1: s- we were uh, in the low end of of uh, you know 50. Anyways. Yeah,
0: well, I think we were at actual 40. 48 or 49 yeah. yards i think yeah. we just watched on the video that we watched right. So we got in again oh we had him you know it was like man it's gonna happen here had a good range on him same situation Chase is mm-hmm. on his knees and i'm behind him and we're just ready to make it happen <laughs> right and uh so he you know we we get down there and and uh god dang waiting for that bull to stand up again and and uh Finally, he stands up. And... Yeah,
1: he was he he was stung. He was stung. They, I, we were, you know, you, again. This you, you look at this, and there's just no way we're going to sneak up on him. There's no way, you know, where where we where I grew up hunting and what I'm used to hunting and hunting with you and there's maybe a little more relief to the the land and you can get a play, but and we still made it work. We got into bow range on this thing in the wide open where we thought there was no way, but. And it, <laughs> He wasn't hurt bad enough that he wasn't willing to jump up and just bolt and go another quarter mile away and bed down, or you know, even you know, half mile and bed down. You know, he kept running that and getting through it. And uh, but happy we get in bow range again.
0: Oh man, oh, I thought you had him there. Didn't know we were there, so we snuck up. And yeah. you say the wide open, it was pretty wide open, but. All we could see was his horns. His face. We couldn't see him, and he couldn't see us. Where we well, crept we, up.
1: We were, yeah, we were low crawling. Yep. We were, we were sliding through the tundra. I was soaked. Oh, god. That's from uh, that's to well. That's when the, that's when my feet first got wet on that deal. Yep. We made it all the way up there, and I was running a light, a lightweight pair of, you know, pretty decent boots, and uh, I was running dry the whole way.
0: I was too. And then, um,
1: as I started sliding down through that stuff, and it...
0: I think it was stalking quietly through the water, getting to him
1: not not uh, uh putting your feet up and down real quick yeah yeah we had gators on and shoes yeah. yeah we
0: had to step slow in that water and not splash and make any noise but yeah into bow range uh, long 40 somewhere in there you're knocked waiting for him to stand up and and uh this time he didn't stand up and look around you drew as soon as he started to stand and he bolted he know, stood up to leave there. yeah oh you think he stood up to bolt right there
1: that's yeah i don't yeah. i mean
0: i mean he didn't stand there for a second so it must No, have yeah he did i don't think he gave us half a,
1: he stood up looking in that direction mm-hmm. um we were quiet i i i'm confident in my ability and and what i remember we were quiet and just mm-hmm. he was snake bit he was he was he was, le- snake bit. he was looking that way hey you got i'm stung i don't know what's going on and that's the thing with these caribou um that i noticed these things are even though these are are, are um um caribou that are hunted near the road that are maybe a little more spooky than the caribou that you're going to find if you do a fly-in somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, and then everyone talks about how curious they are in general. Um, and I, I saw that, and there's a, you know, there's a buffer around us where they they can be within 100 yards looking at you and getting closer and wondering what's going on as, as far as what I saw. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. We he, didn't
0: see any big bulls do that to us, though, did we?
1: No, no, yeah. we didn't. But, I mean, if you think about uh, all the ones we were inside of there, one was just you know running through and by us and and uh the other one was already stung yep taking it easy train he was just making his way back to the the Megla herd that yep. was behind him
0: so so we coyoted that bull forever trying to get other plays mm-hmm. trying to move around him. i mean all day long for hours yep. hours and hours and, another, hours, and another, hours
1: another four or five miles
0: yep and chased them all the way back into the huge migration and so we went and got in the migration there was caribou 360 degrees around us and bulls going everywhere and giant bulls going everywhere I mean world class bulls and that's like I you go on these hunts with good expectations like seeing decent critters but to see that world class gigantic Gigantic caribou or gigantic mule deer elk you know it just makes your whole trip but I mean you you definitely weren't going to shoot another bull like you could have killed another bull in there and you Mm -hmm. know that bull would have survived he made it to the caribou herd he made it off and over the ridge and with a thousand head or two thousand head and so there was just no picking them up we tried to cut off the herd at one point but um, yeah you just um, like you say you hit your bull and man you felt bad you were down in the dumps with everything and he didn't, he didn't, we weren't into it. It was like, just wasn't going to happen.
1: You no, know? it was time to shut it down.
0: Yep. That, for that, sure.
1: For me, you know, we, we pushed the, we, we pushed the chase and we pushed the, um, you know, we pushed ourselves to do what we had to do and do everything we could do. And at that point, man, I was I was toast. I was done. It was a long day, you know. And like I said, I I think we figured by the end of it, we put a, you know close to 20 miles into that musk egg or, You know, definitely felt that way, anyways. Oh Jesus! Um, and I was I was wet, and I was I was good to go. And uh, yeah, time to shut it down. But, it it was. We but, just
0: didn't have any chance at that bowl.
1: But every direction we looked when every time we was timed, like, hey, okay, it's time to shut down. You look around, and there's 2,000 caribou just rolling country in front of you, and every, you know, 365 degrees around you. You look, there's, there's all the way 360 degrees. Mm-hmm. Caribou every single direction, and you're like, okay, let's walk out and go get to the truck, which is it's hard to do when you're back in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but great day.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the past one. And then, you know, we had to get out of there and, and – get meat back and, and meat care over there is tough too like um, those flies attack everything gotta have really good game bags on them
1: you yeah know? you can't run your, your typical game bag that's for sure I mean um, the things that I, I grew up using and running the and, and flies are gonna get through that stuff when yep. you put the meat in there it stretches out it's it, what it does And
0: so Scott makes his at a Um, his own fabric and sews them and then like the hawaiian guys that i hunt with they use pillow covers because they got them from the hotel for a dollar a piece when the hotels are going out of business (laughs) in maui um i i use like those um, caribou game bags i like those ones but anything that cinches up and then at the top of your bag you got to tie it off with cordage around there though so those flies want out your stuff really bad and so With meat, it's a big thing of keeping it cool enough and then also keeping it dry enough, like making sure you're getting air air all the way around it. Um, but at one point I mean I got a rip in my bag because we were setting them on brush to get them keep them elevated off a bunch of that brush down and I got a rip in my bag and the flies got in right on that <laughs> spot and I know I had to get in there and do some infield trimming which wasn't a big deal or anything and then tie that up with some cordage but man a guy has got to be on his meat yeah you,
1: you need to micromanage but I mean that's part of yeah. the commitment for, for going and doing it yeah, yeah. that's the final part of it and yeah you definitely going to micromanage what you got going on to the point you're you know, take your ore and make a meat rack out of it or whatever you got to do to hang it. Um,
0: yeah. Don't oh. let it get wet. Always keeping yep. it dry, but yep. you got to let it breathe.
1: Yeah. You got to, you know cover it but yet let it breathe so and keep
0: it cool enough you can't like it gets too moist in a cooler all the time too with ice it gets too moist and that water moisture is no good yeah so you got to dry it keep it cool keep air around it but yeah really got to micromanage it and the the antlers too if you're going to save those so we use some horn rot like i i think we saved everything as long as it makes it back in the flight um the the horns or whatever we cut the skull plate um, so I can put it back together when I get home, and then it's all velvet. and then we took a needle and shot up inside the velvet, um this uh, what's it called
1: um, um, stop uh, stop rot? stop? Yeah. Rot? Yeah. yeah,
0: something a taxidermist recommended um, from my taxidermist, one of his buddies or whatever. but yeah. we got that shipped, used like a needle that they use to shoot up cows that, you know gets, I'm not very good with milliliters. How many milliliters do you think that is? 20? Hell, it could be, two. <laughs> no, no, it could be 200. Just run with yeah, it. Let's yeah. call it 200. Okay. Uh, so anyways, but so you can get about, I don't know, six ounces of, of water in there or whatever, or six ounces of stop rot in there, yeah. and then you shoot up that velvet in the tips, and then you try to find the vein lines on the velvet, which is interesting. You miss them nonstop, but then you find a vein line, and a vein line, you either feel a vein or you feel like this little crevice. Like, you know how you have ridges in the horns, like the valley right right in between that ridge is where you're trying to stick that needle, shoot this stop rod in, and then all the blood comes out the bases and it just bleeds if you did it right. And you can actually see it pump up the vein when you get it in there, right? If you don't get it in there, right, it won't take any of the stop rod. It
1: shoots back in your eye. (laughs) It
0: (laughs) It really does. Yeah, it shoots back in your eye. So you got to keep on that. And then we shot that thing up three, four times. And then... We... Well, you
1: ran, you ran a system on it for three yeah. days, for sure. Yeah.
0: And then we couldn't... Um, you can't leave anything exposed out there. The flies just get it, you know, and then pretty soon you got flies and maggots. And so like the bases of the horns, I, you know, down there, we had to wrap the bases of the horns so they couldn't get out the skull plate. So I cut off all the meat I could cut off, but they still just like to get in there. And so I had to tie a game bag around that. And then, burlap's good to use like it's not good to put them in plastic because they can't breathe they're the right. same thing as meat care you're trying to take care of them like meat you're trying to dry them out and you're, you're trying to keep flies off them and so we wrapped a game bag around the the bottom skull plate and then wrapped burlap around the horns and kind of kept them out of the sun kept them dry and kept them drying out they turned out good i, th- I think i think we're dialed on it I got them um home here and finally able to get that um, that bag out from you know uh, unwrap his skull plate and yeah. then um you were able to put your fan on him in his garage and get some air blown on him so we were able to dry all that out but um yeah i think that's how you keep them and even my taxidermist buddy says it's it's not 100 percent you know that that every case is different
1: yep it's uh we we got on it right away though we yep. were we were definitely on it and i mean maybe it's different when you're going to do a european out of it or you know skull attached or whatever but we were we we made a different choice on that so maybe it, it's going to run a little different yep well you can
0: you can go different times a year too i know we've been shooting around dates of hunting the rut and in, in late september early october hunting early september you know where the bugs are gone but also the bugs help you too out there
1: i think that's why they're sporadic yep. i think that's why they keep some uh um, um shuffling the deck and just yep. you know you know every morning or you know that's the thing if there's a lot of hunting hours do you want to hunt you want to hunt morning you want to hunt midday do you want to hunt? you know in the evening or the middle of the night like what are, what are you looking for and well at any given time that deck of shuffle from time to time and uh but what we saw this year was that the, the main herd stayed in a pretty good basin you know they were yep. centrally located for sure
0: yep no they liked it up there they were living up on top of that mountain but, but yeah, you're right, you do, there's so many different tactics that come into play, and that's why I loved it so much, is that, you know, to, to fly in, I think, is the ultimate experience, you have it all to yourself, and you get the caribou herd, and but you're either in them or you're not like having a vehicle there and being able to move and having a raft there and being able to move, we're able to cover country and use that to our advantage to, to locate the migration. And so you get to do all the thinking involved too. So I'm so engaged in the hunt. And I think that's part of the reason why I'm so hooked on hunting those things, you know, is that we got to do it from start to finishes, find them, find the migration, find the animals, go make plays on them, learn the species. And then, you know, we were lucky enough to harvest one, which was so awesome. And, 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 um, man, I just can't wait to do it again.
1: Yeah, um, definitely looking forward to the the planning stages. That's half the fun, the anticipation. That's what keeps a guy going day in, day out with work and family and everything else. I mean, the, looking forward to the next adventure. You know, the, the anticipation is good. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity. In it and no matter what time of year you go, you can run a raft run a boat run a bike run a car Yep. run your feet And it's run place, a plane just go for it the place
0: is going to fight you though gosh dang you got to be prepared like you say with your tire kits and your things but yeah. yeah it's pretty cool that you can run different seasons on them and all the way you know from the start of the August like like we did start of the August just so you know <laughs> but start of August like we did or, or mid to late August you know or into September you're going to get away from the bugs and they're going to be in there but it's pre-run they might not be you know the, the bugs aren't going to keep them moving and that's a big thing with the bugs keeping them moving is you're able to spot them because they are moving around yes. quite a bit you know yeah, it's and vast they, country oh it's vast country
1: you know and then and I guess that you know our understanding is is uh, what they ha- what happens they they summer down um, <clears throat> lower part of the, the tundra way out of the, the mountains and they just do a migration up into the mountains and that's you know that's got its appeal too they both have their appeal Yep. You know, yeah, just... so that's
0: one of the weird things is the migration of these things.
1: Well, yeah, absolutely, and then...
0: they're opposite of what we know as Western hunting. Correct. Yep. Yeah,
1: they're not coming out of the mountains to the the, the private land where we can ever get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs>
0: but yeah, I mean, elk they they uh, summer in the mountains and then you know they come out as winter starts showing up. Yep. They show up on the the faces and side hills and then go all the way down to the flats yep. like where we're from. You know, they don't do that everywhere, but they definitely come to lower elevation everywhere they migrate. And uh, caribou are absolutely opposite. So caribou, like you say, they live out in the tundra roaming around out there and as it starts to get colder and winter sets in they start moving up the mountain and into the mountains and the mountains has these wind blown slopes yes. that then they're able to get food on and, and, and that's how they that's how they winter is up in the mountains and then come down to the tundra for the summer so totally backwards you imagine me and you trying to uh, I'd never put those pieces together like uh, you know just talking to guys and figuring that out is pretty wild but yeah that's opposite of what I would think. <laughs>
1: Yep, you uh, can do- to what to what we know that's for sure but uh um, the great thing with it though is, is there is the opportunity no matter how you want to hunt up here there's a great opportunity no matter what time of year is based on um uh, tags you draw or hunts i'm going to do with my family or you know what just what we got planned how it works out you know conditions at work with both of our jobs and you know it, it, so it might be the first of august it might be the 15th and shit it might be the Tenth September might be the rut. Might be this the rut? Yeah, we I... might be we might be run not worrying about wet feet, right? <laughs> you just never know.
0: Oh man, I am so hooked on these things. Yeah, it's just such a great trip, and to be able to. Do all the thinking and, and do it inexpensively where you know you can come back. I mean, I love once-in-a-lifetime hunts, but I love hunts that I can keep doing. And I'm just so hooked on caribou as a species. I mean, they were just so fun to chase around and try to, get, try to figure out and, and try to get narrow in. Just the challenge of the whole deal. So, yeah, man, I, I can't wait to come back and do it all over again. Start yeah. from square one and everything will be different. Everything we know, throw out the window. But, no, I think that knowledge is key. We're going to be able to use that in years to come.
1: Oh yeah, we're evolving, yep, adapting, yep, yep. That's how it's gonna. That's what's gonna take to continue to get it done. And, and every year will be different, different pressure, different this, different that, different regulations. We just don't yep. know. But different hunting
0: pressure, different. Yeah. yeah, I mean everything can be different every year, and there, it there isn't any guarantee. But that's what makes it fun, and that's what makes a trophy for me. And we were able to see. Just some world-class caribou, which is – it just amazes me to see those things with giant tops and huge beds and huge front – what do they call the front ones? That front shovel or – yeah. but man, oh, man, we just just to watch and see those things. They're so majestic up there.
1: Yep. Yeah, Yeah, looking forward to it. We started that planning. It was uh, the last two days we were up there and a whole trip home. We're already planning next year and we're talking about it and going back and forth and you keep coming back to the same decision where it's, that just doesn't matter. We'll just go when it makes sense based on everything else.
0: But. Yep. Well, with hunting there's always so many theories and so in driving home after gaining that many days of knowledge of caribou and caribou country, yeah, your mind just goes wild as you just start going, Well, what about if you do this? What what do you what do you think about doing this or going in here doing it this way? But next year will be all different. We just gotta go up with all the tools to be successful and, and uh you know, as far as, you know, the the rafts and the pickups and the you know, the extra gas. What what else did we figure we needed? More gas, right? I mean, yeah. you just can't have enough of that stuff We did. There. We did good. We did. We made it. For a and,
1: and you know, it could change. You could take, you know, take 75 gallons of fuel with you on top of what you have in your truck and not need it
0: mm-hmm. because... You're floating the raft the whole time. You're floating the raft the whole time. Yep.
1: Or you might not have Scott able to go with us. Yeah. And you know, we're 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 thumbing it and we're planning a thumb. So, you know, trying to get back from the where we take the raft out back the you know, how many mile road miles it is back to a truck and hoping one of those truck drivers isn't just T bone you out there when you're walking <laughs> up the road, or and someone of those guys stops actually. Or do you take a mini bike with you and you're, you're, you're running a bike, you know, or riding think, a bicycle? Yeah, yeah. self
0: sufficient. Take yeah, that bike yeah, or the mini not bike. Buying,
1: but yeah, and then you run your own shuttles. It's just there's a lot of options, and it will be different, but it's going to be good.
0: I don't know. I'd um and scott i think he wants to go again which was just great he was able to run our shuttles for us on our floats and things and when we were on the river and like you say hang out and make sure we were okay on our big goes and stuff and watch your oh, yeah, track. Yeah. and you know that's uh, like you say such a nice guy so happy to meet that guy and and uh and a great hunter too just uh, a lot of knowledge he's been doing it for a lot of years yeah.
1: yeah he spent a lot of time ice fishing with him as well and he's I've learned a lot by paying attention to those deals. And that's it. what you got to do is, uh, you know, um, listen to hear instead of listen respond and soak that stuff up so a guy can actually get out and do something. Because, hey, you know, I don't have all the toys in the world, but I still want to go out and have fun. And, if you you know, you listen to these guys that have been there and done that, you're going to learn a lot and not put yourself so much pain and agony trying to figure it out.
0: That's it. Yeah. I think you're right, man. Well, yeah. um, can't wait for next year. What an awesome trip, man. Um, thanks for being on the podcast with me. Thanks for the trip. So awesome. Thanks for all your help with that caribou bowl, helping get them out and, and uh, pushing on the hunt and keeping after them and um, keeping enthused. It gets weird up there. There's no dark, you know. And so, like you say, there's no limit when you can hunt 20 hours a day, 22 hours a day. That's pretty wild. So, um, But you're just great hunt partner. I really enjoy spending time with you up here.
1: You bet. Me and the family are definitely happy to have you up here.
0: Yep. Sounds Appreciate good. It. Well, yeah, we'll um do it again and start planning this next adventure. So thanks, Chase. We better catch that plane. Got to finish packing my <laughs> <nice> stuff and <laughs> got to catch that thing in about six hours or so. But we did get our podcast laid down, so that's the main thing. So thanks yeah. again, buddy. Appreciate it. You bet. All right, guys, that's a wrap. That's an episode. Um, like I say, really fun to sit down with my buddy Chase and and just record that that hunt that we had together and it's so fresh in our minds and and talking about uh you know the trials and tribulations and harvesting that bull, and then and then just talking about you know good tips about Alaska. Um, but that that was a really fun one for me. I like I say I just really enjoy that that buddy of mine uh, Chase Gallentine He's just such a great guy and and uh, such a great friend and and uh, great hunting partner. So that was fun for me. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast. Um, I'm going to try to get them out. You know on on nearly every hunt I do this year, either recording in real time or after I get done, just so I can capture that essence of the hunt. I can capture that excitement and that thrill right in the podcast. So um really fun for me to share that with you guys. Um, Yeti was today's sponsor for the show. Again, just building next level of coolers. Um, just so stoked on their coolers, how long it keeps ice, uh, how good it is for meat care. Um and just it extends a hunt you know you can extend a hunt multiple days because you don't got to go back for ice it'll it'll last longer and and i really like that they're bear proof containers um so that qualifies in national forest when you're camping that, that you have a bear proof container and don't got to hang up your food every night and and then all their their cups and accessories and they just thought of everything in the cooler world and and a great company that that puts a lot of dollars back into the hunting industry which is is neat to see so i'm definitely a fan of Yeti coolers and thanks to them for sponsoring the podcast um again make sure you check out that early season subscription special from eastman's um the the code is uh, ee P S S 17 uh, it'll get you a free, uh, not a free subscription. It'll get you a paid subscription for 39 99 for both magazines. And then they throw in a Yeti tumbler when you pay shipping and handling. Um, so, so make sure to subscribe to that. And, uh, as always, just thanks a bunch guys for all the support of the podcast and, and, uh, the downloads, uh, the, the ratings on iTunes, the, the follow of the social media and, and just the, You know, the overall comments that I get from you guys that are really enjoying the content, we're going to work really hard to put the best stuff out there for you guys. And so um, I just can't thank you enough for the support. Um, I'm headed out antelope hunting this morning, so I got my antelope with my daughter a couple days ago, and I got a buddy that came in for a few days, and so we're gonna go around and spot and stalk, and I'm gonna try to film him and try to help out wherever I can, and so I'm stoked. I'm back in the, in the woods, or at least out on the prairie, uh, with bow and arrow chasing some antelope around, and then I leave for this Idaho deer hunt, um, next Tuesday, uh, so I'll get out the podcast before I leave and then be gone for another seven, eight, nine days, whatever it takes. Going to try to kill a nice muley down there and and uh, just stoked. It's that fun time of year where we're all out enjoying as much as we can. So hopefully you guys got a good hunt coming up that you're looking forward to and, and uh, make sure to tag me in a photo if you guys are successful. Um, that's the podcast. We'll check in with you next week.